Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsing, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, we have reached it. Our final pre-hiatus episode. I'm going to get all emotional and confused, I'm sure. Um, after we finish, I'm going to try to, we'll see if I make it. Um, and if not, then certainly like when I'm not recording next week, unless I've already had the baby, at which point I'm sure I will be too sleep deprived to think about it. But like when I like watch Top Chef tonight and then don't have a thing to go like put into the notes that I've watched it, it's going to feel very strange. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been thinking about that actually a lot this week. And my partner has been checking in and being like, how are you feeling about this? You doing okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I think I'm okay. I think I'm fine. And then about 20 minutes ago, I became not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, and yeah, no, because I was like, oh, we're not going to get to discuss the last two episodes of Batwoman this season. Mm-hmm. We're not going pro- to discuss the rest of Loki. Um, and I'm just like, I got very kind of a little kerflamped and I'm, I'm going to try to keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Um, <laughs> that's my goal as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not convinced I will. We'll see how it goes. I will, I'm going to try my best. Go team. You got this. We we'll do. do it for the pod, for the listeners. Do it for the pod. <laughs> we heard from, uh, Ben from Tasmania over at the website, uh, who says, I will be very sad when the show goes on hiatus. We will be too. The Televerse has been a wonderful listen- listening experience for me over the last several years, both incredibly informative and entertaining. Just introducing me to China Beach alone gets the show top marks. Like, you know, props, Ben. Excellent yeah. choice. Like, Really good choice. That's how I feel about China Beach, because I would not have watched it, Noel, without you and Chris. So, like, yeah. Um, let me see. And, but also a huge range of other diverse shows I may never have seen otherwise. Cucumber, Banana, Tofu, Over the Garden Wall, woohoo! Clone Wars, Shihayafuru, Queen Sugar, Sweet Vicious, um, and Best of Luck, Kate. Um, thank you. Thank you, Ben. But, uh, yeah, the, like, those are some awesome shows. We've gotten to watch such cool shows. We have. Yeah. You know, across the, across the past five years. Yeah. We've gotten, we've watched some really good stuff. We've had some really good people on. And we're going to close out talking about, like, kind of like the seminal televerse show at least uh-huh. of my era so i'm very excited about this yeah it's gonna yeah we're talking about limitless guys at the end of the show and it was it was a fun choice for many reasons um not the least is the gag oh, gotta go for the bit right but yeah. also because i recently pretty recently rewatched the whole series um and so you know all six seasons of it um and uh and so it was very fresh in my mind um so i was not anticipating having um a strong reaction to it beyond just enjoying myself and then goodness you know like you know i should have expected it i shouldn't have underestimated the show but i just sat there watching some stuff from the show this week just getting annoyed again that the show did not get picked up did not get renewed for season two um, after it seemed likely that it would, and I, you know, listeners, I apologize as, as we know, it is my fault. Um, but what a good show. Ah, not like it has its issues, but not what a good show. And why isn't there more of it? And why is there more of other shows that aren't nearly so good? 
Yeah. No, I don't have a good answer for you. I just don't. Um, yeah. I definitely feel like Limitless, and we can, we'll talk about this. But we'll talk about this. At the end if of the it show, had been but... like five years later, mm-hmm. would have landed somewhere else, like yeah, streaming wise. It would have been okay, but now not so much. We can only wonder about what might have been. Yeah. Um, that'll be coming. Our, our deeper discussion about the show will be coming at the end of the, of the podcast. Uh, it is currently streaming over on CBS All Access, or sorry, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. And I think it's a couple of other places, but yeah. Yeah, that's the main. It used to be on Netflix. It is not a, has not been on Netflix for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, We're, it, it's going to be fun talking about. So we'll save it for, we'll save it for the segment. Um we will head into our week in TV, though. we got plenty of TV to talk about this week. Um, and we're going to send it out right, which I think is, you know, the correct choice for this week and also for our last pre-hiatus pod, which is Amber Ruffin Show. They've done so well by us for providing musical options for the podcast. Thank you to the Amber Ruffin Show. This week we have Living Wage in America. So enjoy the vocal stylings of uh, Amber Ruffin and Tarek Davis as we head into our week in TV. We'll be right back after this. No health insurance or groceries. You can't afford to travel anywhere. If you break your leg, God forbid, you gotta start a GoFundMe. How does it feel when there's no living wage and nothing is free? And when you get to work, you don't get breaks to pee. Living wage. That was Living Wage in America, which was featured on this week's uh, episode of The Amber Ruffin Show. This week in TV, we're going to kick things off with a few thoughts on Girls 5 Eva. Nola's seen all of season one. I've seen the, pr- the first episode. Then I'll have some thoughts on the Tuca and Birdie season two premiere, Bird Mechanics. Uh, Top Chef Portland had Blind Ambitions. Star Wars The Bad Batch had Battle Scars. And then we head into our superhero segment here with Loki, The Variant, Batwoman, Rebirth, Superman and Lois, Oh Mother, Where Art Thou, and Legends of Tomorrow, Bishop's Gambit. You know we have thoughts on that. So first up is Girls 5 Eva on Peacock. Because Forever's too short. Yes. And together's not enough. So three together. Um, I can't have been the only one thinking of, uh, what is it? I know my calculus. It means you... Plus me equals us. Whatever that parody thing was. Yeah. How did this work for you? I, 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 I'll I, be honest. I watched the first episode. I was like, these are a bunch of very talented people. It's it's fine. It's sort of how I felt about it. Does it improve? Sort of. Um, mm-hmm. Like, as you said, really talented people. So we've got Sarah Bareilles. We've got Busy Phillips. We've got Paula Pell and Renee Elise Goldsberry as the four of the five girls. Surviving members. Another one. Surviving members of the 19, late 90s, early aughts girls group, Girls 5 Ever, because again, forever is too short, um, who are now like in late middle, like roughly my age, between somewhere between 36 and 40. And they suddenly like kind of re-emerge into the public consciousness after an up and coming rapper um, samples their hit song 
and they decide to maybe try and get the band back together. And it's fine. Like, I think it's generally pretty fine. There's some good gags. Um, the overall arc of the show doesn't really, for me, kick off until really the last two episodes, uh, which is fine for a six-episode season. Um, but I was hoping for a little, a few more legs on the show. For me, though, I think that the show is worth calling out for the fact that the real premise of the show is how many ridiculous things can we say and make Goldsberry do? <laughs> because that's really what the premise of the show is, folks. Um, I don't want to spoil what we get in episode six from her, but it's real good. <laughs> it's eight episodes, sorry. Um, but the the she her character wiki is written very much like jenna from 30 rock um but slightly more self-aware but it's still a lot of the dialogue could very much be jenna maroney and it's fun seeing a different spin on that kind of a character um definitely less airheady but and much smarter but also that kind of same degree of self-absorption uh but yeah it's still really funny to watch Goldsberry do really ridiculous things and say things like, my mouth is a t-shirt cannon of wisdom. <laughs> yep, that's good. She's going to nail that every time. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's a lot of good stuff here. There's some stuff that doesn't quite work. Um, Busy Phillips' character, Summer, and her relationship with um, Adam Rennell's character, um, Kev, kind of runs a little bit in circles, but Busy Phillips is so good that I don't totally care. Um, but there's still plenty of good stuff here. I think it's pretty funny. Um, there are worse ways to spend three hours, which is <laughs> I watched this in one sitting. But it is, for me, not appointment viewing, but it's still pretty good. So if you pace yourself, I think you'll probably get better results. Um, but man, yeah, just I hope Goldsberry gets an Emmy nomination for this because she's very funny in it. Yeah, no, see, I, for me, that might be enough reason just to watch it, just to yeah. see more of her, because she, she's fantastic. So it's nice to see her get a lead role on uh, this kind of a sitcom. So Yeah, for sure. And they've already been picked up for a second season, so. Oh, it's good to know. It's good to know. Um, speaking of second seasons, Tuca and Birdie is back for season two over at Adult Swim. And uh, this the premiere is Bird Mechanics, and it's right back where where season one was at for me. I really enjoyed this premiere. Um, it's center. It's a good jumping in point as well for people who did not see season one. I think you can just kind of hop on board pretty easily with this. Um, the, a lot of the, the sent like the main storylines here is just centering on starting looking for the right therapist for birdie and, and Tuca trying to, um, uh, examining some things and trying to start up, uh, find a relationship. So there's, uh, good pacing, I think, and a real nice, set up for what looks like it could easily be the through line of the season. Um, and it's just delightful. And yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm glad it's back. I look forward to, to following it um, this season and uh, very glad it got a second season. It was a surprise renewal from last year. So, so I, I don't have more to say because I don't want to spoil anything, but um, no, I, I, it's, it's delightful. Still, still just as bright, just still just as colorful, still just as uh, as entertaining performances. Um, so, looking forward to the rest of the season. Uh, Top Chef Portland had blind ambitions, and again, another challenge that must return, which is the quick fire. 
from this week's episode where, where the, the, the chef testants are in teams of two and they have to, they have to go into a, like a little like blackout room and taste a dish. They have like a certain number of minutes to, to taste the dish and then they have to replicate it. Um, and they're working in teams. So the first person gets to go and then the second person gets to go. Um, but they, they can't communicate until the third portion of the quick fire where they, they turn the lights on in the room so they can actually see what the dish is. And then they have like five more minutes or something to try to save the dish. What a fun uh, challenge, which apparently is from, I want to say Top Chef France. It's from one of the other international editions. It's from Top Chef France. Yeah. It's one of their mainstays. And there was other stuff in this episode, but that was my takeaway. Besides, I guess, the emotional judges table, which we'll get to. But what, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think the black box tasting is pretty fun. Um, I would have appreciated like a bigger or not bigger, but more recognizable immediately sort of celebrity chef for it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give it that additional spice level. But I think that the nature of the challenge is really fun, particularly the fact of establishing some degree of communication. Um, and I'm actually really curious about how that fits into like the strategy of Top Chef France when they know it's going to be a thing that happens and do like people kind of like game play it out ahead of time of like, we're going to pair up and do this. Here's, here's how we do this now in terms of not leaving stuff cooking already and just do the mise en place and leave it all prepped for the next person to cook, which was a smart idea as opposed to, cause why would you go over there and look to see if anything's cooking? Why, why would you do that? And how would you know it's yours? Yeah. yeah. How would you know it's yours? So I think that that all in general was really good. But I, one of the things I did really like about this is that everyone was kind of in the ballpark just like little things were quite off as part from Shoda thinking that there was beef somewhere. <laughs> um, but I i don't know that I've ever had the sauce that it was in. So maybe it has hints of beef or, some sort of, or something. Yeah. Yeah. That reads as beef. So yeah, no, I think that bringing this quick fire back is a good idea going forward. Um, what did you think about the elimination challenge? This is the kind of elimination challenge I like to do towards the end here. I mean, I think it's even more poignant when we've been, you know, when they were filming during COVID and everything and having going from being with like in lockdown with your family to a separate bubble and not seeing them at all. Like it would be even more emotional than a normal, I think, season. Um, So having them send boxes um, I think was was interesting and, you know, exactly the kind of TV that the show likes to do as you head towards the end. Um, however, uh, not all those boxes were created equal. <laughs> no, they were not. <laughs> and so that, you know, kind of tarnished it for me a little bit. I, I don't know. What did you think? No, I agree. Um, also, not all those notes were created equal. Poor Shoda. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really nice hanging out with your dog. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Mom. Um yeah, I think that that is that is a rough challenge. And I think everyone, given what they had, did okay. It was just, it came down to like technical details in this one. And so that was a little difficult. I mean, also, this is just the season of don't cook rice. Just don't do just it. Just don't do it. Don't cook rice also, anymore on top pasta? Show. Has anybody done really well with pasta this season? Not really, no. Yeah. There hasn't been a good pasta prepared this season. Not really. Mm. Um so no pasta, no rice, um, no chicken wings. Mm-hmm. You're all set. Yeah. So yeah, I think that the challenge overall is a kind of 
it's a neat challenge, but it's not like you said, the boxes aren't equal, which everyone gets a little bit of an advantage disadvantage depending, which isn't mm-hmm. great. Um, but it makes it worth it for the elimination at the judging table of, again, these are all such good eggs and I don't want any of them to leave and I don't want them to not be on Top Chef for the rest of the show's run. Um, so watching Jamie kind of plead with the judges to be like, no, just give her the same second chance you gave me. And in my head, I'm just like, Jamie, it's not how it works. (laughs) You went through last chance kitchen. That's that's how you got your second chance. There's no more last chance kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, so just watching that really made me very kerflimped and very mm-hmm. choked up. Um, and really again speaks to just how tightly knit this group is. Um, because I really don't feel like that this would have happened on any other season. Yeah. No, I definitely am so like that moment felt so genuine and uh, it really landed in a way that similar types of things have been like, you know, come off well or, you know, been endearing, but not landed with quite the punch that this one did because we like all of them and we don't want any of them to go, please. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a really talented group and it's a really interesting group and it is a really likable group. Nobody seems like an asshole, and I can't remember the last time that nobody seemed like an asshole. Except Kate um, in the in in the final four. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh. It, I, I'm looking forward to the, the the close of the season, and I'm also looking forward to several of these chefs being back for a future All Stars. I mean, really. It just needs to be them back for All-Stars, like all of them come back for Mm All-Stars. Same group. Just Top Chef Portland, take two. Exactly. But just whoever wins this season doesn't get to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can (laughs) join the judging panel. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the difference. Um, And then we just keep doing All-Stars Portland over and over again until these people are just completely burnt out and don't want to do it anymore. Very, very here for it. Yeah. Let's move on to our next episode, which is Star Wars The Bad Batch and Battle Scars. And other things happened in this episode. Obviously, we got, like, the Chekhov's headache. Um, but, but the important thing that happens is Rex is here. I was so excited. I was very excited when Rex showed up. How, how did you feel about this episode? I was, too. Um, I was just at the end of the previous episode. I was like, okay, there's only so many people this could be. And I thought of Rex. So I was actually really excited when he showed up immediately in the next episode. And I thought it was a really good way to continue the show's way of peppering in characters from Clone Wars um, without really needing too much explanation, really. Because it's just like, oh, this is just a... If you haven't watched Clone Wars and you're watching Bad Batch, then this rando clone that isn't with the Empire is a little bit of a, like, wait, who are you? But you get enough of the sense of the character of being a guy from how the, uh, the how the Bad Batch respond to him, that you at least know he's a big deal. And I really like watching that. And I really also really liked that um, moment with him and Omega of, oh, you're, you're Gen 1, of based on the lines. Just that I thought was really, really cool as well. Um, so I really liked that dynamic and how that brought in and brought out this kind of, different sort of sense of how the Bad Batch respond to the regs, 
which Omega calls out as well. But I think that the specificity of that of is another way of saying Rex is an important character. If you want to know more, go watch Clone Wars. But for now, here's why he's important, both narratively for this episode, because he knows how to get the chips out. But also from a character history point to really demonstrate that these four, four, four clones and Omega, who's also a clone, um, are diverging and finding their own path and finding their own identity and way in the galaxy. So folding him in as well as like Cutter in like episode two really continues to drive that home. So what I'm really hoping for after this episode is that we do really get a sense of them finding, staking that claim for themselves starting going forward. Um, So from that level, I really, really liked it. Um, And it was a good use of Rex. I, the only thing I would have liked would have been a, like a, a shout out or a mention of Crosshair. And there is a quick mention of him in terms of the chip. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. have liked like this sense of like, okay, we can't necessarily have this as our next instigating like priority for the, for what comes next. But I would like, I have liked more of a sense of if we get the chance, we're freeing Crosshair. We're, we're, yeah. we're de-chipping Crosshair uh, you know, and obviously they get something. They can't just go on a, a mission to infiltrate and get him. Like, like it's too dangerous. But I was surprised that there wasn't more of a sense of that, um, based on the strength of their connection and of the team dynamic at the the start of the season. That's a fair point. Yeah. But other than that, I really enjoyed the episode. I liked the <laughs> space popcorn, for lack of a better word. Um, it looked really tasty. And 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 just the uh, the 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 all the company store you know uh, accounting that is leaving them um, you know maybe in not the best of stead but I I've, I've been enjoying the the Rhea Perlman performance. Um, for- it's really good. Like I'm loving it so much as Sid. It's just so delightful. Let's head over to Loki because I have a feeling you know more about this than I do. We have the variant yeah. and Enchantress. Almost certainly Enchantress. Um, okay. If 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 it hadn't been spoiled by the Spanish credits, <laughs> I would still be thinking Enchantress anyway. Um, but yeah, it's Enchantress almost certainly because her magic's still green too. So I I don't know what that means other than everybody was talking about how it's not Lady Loki. It's 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 Enchantress. So what does that mean? Yeah. So Enchantress is another like uh, Thor villain, um, who typically has blonde hair. Um, but she is also decked out in, like, green garb of some kind, um, and her magic is colored green as well, just like Loki's is. Um, so it's a good kind of feint in playing with, like, the idea of a Lady Loki character, but then use it to introduce Enchantress instead. Um, it raises flats for me about the TBA not knowing she's Enchantress and assuming she's a Loki variant, um, which I have, I'm curious about what that means like that's that's the thing that's the flag that raises for me because i'm pretty sure this is enchantress every most everybody the internet is very certain (laughs) yeah which is fine like i'm okay with that because one of the things i'm liking about it is that i don't know where this is going um even if she is enchantress i don't i don't know where this is going Mm -hmm. um so but yeah so she's enchantress that's fine that's cool i don't really have an issue with it i'm a little sad it's not lady loki in any way shape or form uh, but I'm okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. mainly because again, this episode's still 
really good, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I feel about the big twist. Um, <laughs> that we don't have a twist that isn't a twist yet. Um, but I also appreciate the fact that I don't think that the show is going to make a lot of hay out of it. Because the care, the woman we meet is very much, yeah, no, don't call me that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I like that they aren't, uh, that they expect you to get the reference or to search Easter eggs, Loki yeah. episode two and figure it out, right? I like that that it's not, it. Loki might not know what's going on. We don't know how much institutional knowledge Loki has about the comic books, but yeah. um, but the show expects you as a viewer to to you know, be at least one step ahead of, of some of the characters. Uh, I was, you know, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I was very uh, pleased to be sort of on the same page as everybody else after the first episode. Now after two, after two, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I, now I get all the critics going gaga and people really enjoying and, and like getting a sense of the tone and the dynamic. I really, uh, I mean, I thought Owen Wilson was terrific in this. Um, and how quickly we we get to see Loki adapt to the TVA and like this, this it's just such a different energy in in this episode and it's much more interesting to me than the setup of the previous episode. So even just something like the Google and Bathara and um, uh, and Owen Wilson scene tells me a lot more is a lot more interesting than a mm-hmm. lot of the stuff we were getting in the first episode that. It was very much nice to have all that out of the way so that the story could actually kind of start. And I also appreciate that by the end of the episode, like they've established like they're a cop, not a cop. And then by the end of the episode, even though they're clearly a bunch of legs there, they could have a lot of fun with that. They're like, nope, now something new. And that is even more interesting. So we'll see what happens next. But I, I'm, you know, I'm very much on board with, you know, how quickly Loki figures out something that the other people haven't thought of yet or seem not to have thought of and is able to establish and corroborate his theory. And then the show just moves along. I like that there aren't too many artificial roadblocks put up in his way. There are some, but not a lot. And, you know, that we'll see the ramifications of that when it appears he has betrayed them. And now Owen Wilson's character, Mobius, sorry, is going to have to, more, more Mobius, right? Yeah, Mobius, Mobius. Mobius. Like, is is going to yeah. have to to um, deal with that, the fallout. But um, what we get here, you know, it's a lot of fun. And I'm intrigued for what comes next. Yeah, I am as well. And I agree with you about the rhythms of, I get a theory. My theory turns out to be right. Let's go and figure this out where they're potentially hiding um, based on this one detail that you've all overlooked. Um, and it, again, it very much fits that cop, not a cop mold. And I was actually really excited this episode aired when we were going to discuss Limitless as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, another solid cop, not a cop kind of approach. Um, but also the fact that Mobius still has like this degree of respect for Loki to at least like humor him a little bit. But then once he realizes that there is legitimately something there when they go to Pompeii and that scene is delicious, <laughs> um, that they really can figure out. And once Mobius is on board, once they go to Pompeii and it's just like, Oh, right. There's, you can do whatever you want here. Nothing's going to change anything because it's inevitable. Um, so I really liked how that kind of spurs that action forward. Um, but 
I also just, and I tweeted this and it's too good not to share. I just really want Hannibal and Loki to team up to manipulate slash seduce Mobius and Will. And I just, I think that would be a really good show, Kate. I think it'd be really, really good. Um, I just, I, at Loki asking Mobius to draw him a clock and the clock just have all the hands. Just <laughs> all the hands. Okay. That takes things a bit darker than I was anticipating, but hey, you know, well, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Um, any final thoughts on this one? I am a little disappointed that there weren't more like goofs or like call outs in like the products in mm-hmm. the store. Instead, it was just a b- bunch of actual legitimate product placement for Roku and like various other things. I'm just like, we missed some chances for some cool stuff here. Mm-hmm. We didn't do anything with it. And instead we did the product placement. Okay. Okay. Disappointed, but okay. We, we've had been having Chekhov's headache over on Bad Batch. Um, I'm mm-hmm. calling it now Chekhov's jet ski. I look forward to texting you <laughs> when Owen Wilson, when Mobius gets to actually ride a jet ski before the oh, season. Oh man, finale. I hope he does. That was yeah. a really good little moment for Mobius of like, in the 90s, man. <laughs> I expected the jump to the 2050s or whatever it was to have to be a little lighter, to have more fun. And I'm, so I was surprised mm-hmm. that they didn't. But I think it worked totally with what they were doing and everything. And also, you know, easier on the budget to have it just be a warehouse. But um, yeah, yeah I, I'm intrigued for what, what's going to come next. So it should be fun. Um, next up is Batwoman Rebirth. And we get our first, like, decent amount of time with Kate Kane. With new Kate Kane. What did, what did you think? It, I'm surprised. I think it's working pretty well. Yeah, it is working pretty well. And I really like the actor who's taken over the role. Um, I'm still very much like, did we really need this, though? Um, Many of my objections that I had when it was revealed that this was Kate all along of like, yeah, we're kind of undermining Ryan's story here a little bit, folks. Um, Not necessarily suggesting that this Kate is going to take over because clearly she will not be in the span of two episodes. Um because there's a lot of stuff to work through here, but I don't know that I need any of this as much as I think it's pretty solid from a narrative perspective and in its execution. And I like the ways it's motivating a lot of other choices happening from giving up the desert rose to giving up to like allowing to continue to allow Alice just to run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but now there's virtually no excuse because no one is actually in law enforcement <laughs> anymore. So that's kind of where I am with like the bigger narrative stuff um, in this regard of this episode. But I don't care about Ocean. I'm very sad. I'm sad for Alice that he's dead, but I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't care. Um, and I wasn't super happy to see Sophia again. I was just like, no, just go away. Go away. Um, but if this is what it's going to take to get us to through the rest of the season, because like I said, they only have two episodes left after this. Um, that's fine. And I'm really hoping for the third season to be a really fresh Ryan is Batwoman. No, no lingering stuff happening. Um, because that's what I really, really want going forward. Um, how did you feel about this? And we still need to talk about Diggle kicking off his Arrowverse tour. Um, but how did you feel about all this, all the big A plot stuff? Well, I co-signed Wall's Day is doing a terrific job. 
uh, as new Kate uh, mm-hmm. and like they're hand, they're handling that well. The performance is good. You can see elements of Kate in there um, of the Ruby Rose performance, uh, but mm-hmm. it, it does feel different, which I think is appropriate. Yes. Um, I think the, you know, what, what they're clearly going to be playing with of these two identities back and forth is interesting. And it's a good way to write around her not retaking up the mantle and being the lead of the show. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I, uh, <laughs> I like, it's convenient, a convenient way to get rid of the desert rose. Uh, you know, they're good out of death free card. Yes. Um, but I really don't need Sophia back. I also don't need a retcon to get us to not have a, as many problems with Alice of like, it's not her fault. She's like, killing people you know all over the place she was killing people all over the place in like the last episode and it feels too much like the show trying to be like we really we really like the actor we really want to keep her around she's a really strong part of the show um how can we justify this um so i think there are some issues there that i'm hoping that they will Either fully commit to and just defang the character, which will be disappointing, but then at least they won't be right. going back and forth. Or just have that be a feint and do something else. Uh, so so that's sort of where I'm, I'm torn a little bit about that. But as for the rest of the storylines, it's just like, can we just never see Sophia again? Yeah, just don't don't want, do not want. Yeah, with Ocean gone, Ocean dead, and not dead with the, the convenient knife. Real dead this time. Real dead. For real or as real dead. dead as anyone really is That's on an true. Arrowverse show, as yeah. we will discuss in a minute. Um, I think, yeah, I think we can just be done with Sophia, and I'd be very happy for that. Uh, I, the last thing I do want to talk about is, is Luke a bit and also Diggle. And I was disappointed we didn't get more Diggle. I was very surprised we got, like, one scene. Um, we got more than one scene. You're going to bring him over and just have, like, well, we get very little. Very little. Uh, what, what did you think of of his cameo? I thought it was I thought it was more than a cameo. Like it's multiple scenes. They're just it's it is a scene. It's just cut up a bunch mm-hmm. um, because of how the show is edited. Um, but I mean, I really liked it. I thought it was a good way to help kind of establish a someone to give someone to give Luca a kick in the pants almost of. Here's what you need. And it needed to be kind of an outsider as well, because every, he's got too much sort of frustration, anger with um, with Mary and Ryan that he just wasn't going to see anything immediately. He needed something. He needed someone else to do something, um, which is why he went on this mission to get the get himself killed, basically, by trying to uh, sucker this crow that uh, shot him whose name I can't remember. And I don't really care to remember it. Um, But I think that the scenes with Diggle work really, really well. And I like the way in which that it very much mirrored the same kind of advice that he gives Oliver in a lot of ways of like you, this, a death drive is not a good way to live. You have to live and you have to find a good reason to live. And it seems like you have a good reason to live. You just need to embrace that. And I think that that was just a really good kind of follow through on who Diggle typically is when he's written in this vein, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when he's dealing with angry 
young men, (laughs) as is his lot in life, apparently. I'm very concerned about his headache, so I'm really hoping it's not an inhibitor chip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, good soldiers and all. Um, Yeah, I, I just, I just, I really enjoyed Dickel. I wanted more. Um, I also am not all that thrilled. I know that it seems like the actor's pretty excited, but I'm not all that thrilled for Luke to become a superhero, like yeah. a kicky, punchy, fighty superhero. Um, yeah, I because agree. I don't think they've earned that with his backstory. I don't think that they've earned it, especially with this incarnation of this story as well. Um, I, they're definitely like wanting to set that up with this episode in particular. Um, and I'm not quite sure I buy it either. Um, and I have questions about just what that looks like for him. And yeah. the, from like a physical fight. And I mean, a lot of this is also the fact that his suit is very much like an Iron Man-esque suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't necessarily need the combat aspect of it. But at the same time, it's just like, you don't know how to use jet shoes yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what the yeah. writers come up with. Um, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I'm gonna keep watching certainly. Um, and Mary continues to be awesome. Yeah, no, like still just the best character on the show. She's so good. Still enjoying <laughs> Sophie too. Uh, but Mary Mary's the best. Um, over on Superman and Lois, oh mother, where art thou? Uh, we got another big like mythology. Um. Why do I keep skipping kind these episodes? Episode. Yeah, it was huge. And um, I don't know. Do you want to know or no? Yeah, no, you can tell me. It's fine. Like I have, I have a, yeah, please go ahead and tell me okay. what's the deal here. So uh, basically Edge is, is, is Kal-El's half brother. Okay, sure. Because uh, the Kal-El's mom was genetically paired with someone before uh, Jor-El. And mm-hmm. then... Then, then left them because Jorel was a love match, and okay. and and so they were. Edge was sent as like a tween to Earth, mm-hmm. and uh, this all this uh, technology to with the uh, the kryptonite, kryptonite, all that. Yeah, was the was the mother's technology. Okay, but her intent was not to eradicate all the humans and replace them with Kryptonians, but to find another way for their consciousness to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. so the, it becomes a whole thing. Um, and, and that then brings up other, like you get a sense of the extent of how many people have been uh, ex Kryptoned and, uh, or ex Kryptonite id, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, there's some really good dramatic stuff. We get uh, a nice, a really nice performance from several of the actors some good content for the younger generation and I'll leave it at that because okay. you know, I don't want to tip all of the hands. That's most of the plot stuff, but not all the character stuff. So um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. And I would say with all of this, there's a lot going on, but where is steel? It feels like he yeah, should have maybe been in this episode. He went on a road trip to find himself. I, I assume he will be back soon. But we'll yeah, see. no, he definitely will be back soon. I'm sure. So there's there's some good stuff here, and I'm I I certainly enjoyed it very much. So I will I look forward to your text when you eventually catch up. Should you uh, should you catch up? But we should move on to Legends of Tomorrow because uh, no, they killed Sarah. They did. They killed Sarah. Um, again. Again, she's died a lot. 
Uh, do we, are we invested? Do we care that, that this is her body that's gone? If, you know, how, how, how invested are we in this death? Here's, the, here's how kind of how I feel about this. It's a clone. It's still Sarah. Mm-hmm. Just not the same Sarah, but it's a clone. I'm not, I'm not particularly caught up in it. Like, I'm not particularly upset or anything about it. Um, I think that it does open up sort of a way of helping her relate to Ava in a different way, which I'm very keen to watch as maybe Ava then, like, flips this around in terms of, like, the clone aspect of it at all. Um, so I'm actually really, I'm really looking forward to those beats. But for the whole idea of, we killed Sarah Lance, and now she's a clone. Look, folks, I grew up reading the Spider-Man clone saga in the comics in the mid and late 90s. As long as we're not pulling that nonsense, I'm fine with anything. Um, Is she still the avatar of death, though? Or whatever The The paragon. Paragon, yeah. Yeah, um... I would assume so. I don't know, but also let's let's keep in mind that no one liter- no one else cares about any of that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so like literally the only one that that matters for is Barry. Like that's the only one anyone mentions it about is Barry. Uh cuz Kate's not is bad Kate the, still is, is she the bad of the future or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's 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 room for that was a one off thing everyone let's not think about that anymore no no but thank it yeah um but yeah no i think she i think she is i think she is um i but again i'm okay with it how are you feeling about it uh i think they've done a good job of of really emphasizing the various ava clones and how all the clones are different um but then at the same time you know making it very clear that this is a separate situation because the the clones are shaped by their experiences and their memories and she may not have the physical scars but she has the memories and the um the experiences of sarah lance um so we'll see what happens it's a time travel show too so you know right and that's what this like the next episode teases is that they decide to make a time branch decision that would get them in trouble with the tba yeah Indeed, indeed. Um, I'm having trouble remembering the rest of the episode. Sure. Which is um, not a great sign. Yeah, well, I mean, so there's the stuff with um, Mick and... Um, Kayla. Kayla, yes. Um, and then they have um, sex in the pod, mm-hmm. as we all knew they would. Like, called it immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give me right there. And then the rest of the crew is dealing with Amelia Earhart and the fact that Constantine's hiding the fact that he doesn't have any magic anymore. Yeah. Um, by passing all the difficult stuff off on Astra. Um, which, you know, is very John Constantine of him to hide all of that nonsense. Yeah. Um, but maybe also tell everyone because this is clearly the most accepting group in the world. <laughs> well, I have a strong feelings about this because not because of the show, but because I need him to get his abilities back so that he can cameo on season six of Lucifer because he's not anywhere in season five of Lucifer. And I want that crossover, but if he doesn't have any abilities, then I can't see how they would write him in as needing him to pop over to Lucifer. So that's what I'm going to need to have happen, even though that's not how TV works, like production wise. And that's not how writing works. I mean, 
to be fair, when they wrote his bit in for that for the um, crisis on Infinite Earths, they didn't tell anyone at the Lucifer show they were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's delightful. That's that's super fun. Um, but yes, I would very much like to see that. So if they can just you know just throwing it out into the ether, I'm just putting it out there, you know. And we know as our next show when we you know go to the DVD shelf will tell us clearly. I I do have that's my superpower to throw things out there with confidence and make them happen through my hubris. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is it can't possibly happen and it won't happen. So therefore, mwahaha. Um, yeah, I'm assuming this will be resolved by the end of the season to some oh, yeah, extent. absolutely. Yes. So it's just a matter of how we get there. And um, if he was super open with everyone like Lazari 2.0 immediately, it would not feel right. So... You know, while I do have question marks and like raising a skeptical eyebrow, skeptical eyebrow that um, Astra is still further ahead than he is um, when he should have been able to catch up (laughs) because she only had like a a day or two head start. That's a little unusual. But uh, if you're spending all your energy pretending that nothing's wrong, then you can't really spend all your energy rectifying the issue. So doing the practice. Yeah. Doing the work. Yeah. So we'll see what, com- what comes next. Um, any final thoughts on Legends? I thought I had one. Um, I am enjoying all the Ava wigs. Like, they're all pretty good wigs. They're bad wigs. But f- yeah. for this show, that doesn't matter. Um, that's okay. I'm okay with that. I still am not particularly invested in whatever is going on with Bishop's nonsense. So I'm kind of like... yeah. I need to, I, one of the things that I think that the show is kind of struggling with a little bit overall, and this was semi-true last season to a certain degree, is the lack of a really solid big bad of some kind. Um, and while at some level I'm okay with the show just kind of going, you know what, maybe that's not the important thing. And I go, cool, I respect that. But also, I would really like a good villain. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, hopefully we get one next season. It doesn't look yeah. like we're going to have one this season. I don't think we're going to have one this season either. The show's um, interested so... in other things, which fair yeah. enough. But yes. And especially if they want even more space from like Moloch or some of the other things they've done in the past. Like it's easy. We don't. We do not want a flash situation where they just keep repeating themselves. So fair enough. But uh, if they, they still don't have one next season, I'm going to be champing at the bit of it a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I would really legitimately like the villain to be someone from the comics as well. I think we've had enough space, especially on this show, away from any sort of real solid connection to the DC universe um, that I would really kind of like a villain from the comics to come back into this into this fold um, and pose a threat to these weirdos. There is enough weird villains that they can do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what wins your week in TV? Um, that's a great question. Um, I did really enjoy Loki a lot, so I'm going to give it to the variant this week. What about you? Uh, well, the actual answer is limitless. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I'll give it to Tuka and Birdie with a shout out to Superman and Lois. Okay. Um, very much enjoying having that, that energy back. It's such a different vibe than anything else I'm watching right now, so... Really enjoyed having you back. Now we'll take a break, listen to a extended trailer, and come back with our DVD shelf for Limitless. Can you remember what it's like to be inside your mother's womb? 
thought about why people have to age. Is it inevitable? You're on the verge of having a life that most people can't even begin to imagine. So wait, what, what, what the hell are you offering me? You're offering me one pill. So what's it going to be, Brian? That was a, I think it was like a first look trailer. So it's kind of long, but uh, it was the best one I could find uh, on, on YouTube. Not enough limitless content on YouTube. Um, no, it was a little shock. No one, because most people didn't watch the show, I guess. Um, but that was a trailer for Limitless, which is our final DVD show before we go on the hiatus here. Uh, for l- newer listeners to the podcast, uh, they might not know the lore of Limitless and the Televerse. So what happened? What happened was um, there was rumored reporting that along with Supergirl and all of the new shows on CBS that like I think it was Les Moonves because this is, of course, before he was run out, um, was planning to renew all of their freshman shows. So I had read this and I confidently reported to Noel and all of our listeners, ah, they've renewed Limitless and all the new, and Supergirl and all of the new CBS freshman shows this year. And then not that, and like, and I just like registered that in my brain and went, do and didn't stop, didn't worry about it. And then like, I had like a month later, they canceled the show and I was like, but wait, but they already, but they renewed it, but they renewed it. But, uh, and no, they hadn't. I just had read reports indicate and taken it as fact and then had, I had given false hope to all of our listeners. So 
I have quite the history with this show for that reason. Still uh, will have not, will not live that down. Um, have you revisited Limitless since our great Televerse, you know, loss? <laughs> and if not, what was it like revisiting it for the first time? Or if so, you know, how is the multiple viewing experience? And, and how many times have you seen these episodes at this point? I haven't revisited the show since 2015 um, at all. Like, I haven't rewatched a single thing. Uh, so this was a first time back in kind of watch, um, which was really, I think, really good way to sort of rewatch this. Of what what do I remember from the show, and how does how do those memories hold up? Mm-hmm. And I was really pleased at how well the show held up. Um, I think that there are some things that don't work particularly well. Um, and I don't remember how I felt about the two-part finale, but boy, is it bad. Um, I feel like I didn't like it in 2016, but I honestly can't remember. And I meant to go back and re-listen to that episode, but it's bad. <laughs> it feels very tidy, very like, oh, you're getting canceled. Ugh, film a last scene, guys, wrap it up. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's other things that I think are bad with it as well, but there's some of that. Um, but the main thing about it is, is that it's still really fun. Um, it's still a deeply like charismatic show because of Jake McDormand's performance. Um, but Jennifer Carpenter is also doing just phenomenal work as the straight man. Um, aside from that episode when she's on NZT and she recalibrates so perfectly to being that to Rebecca being on NZT that it's just really good. Um, And it's really subtle work that she does in that episode to differentiate. But all that said, it's still really fun. It's still really kind of zany. And I generally really like the whole dynamic of the show. Um, But going back and rewatching it, the other big takeaway I had is that Hill Harper just is not given enough to do. And it makes me very frustrated for him having to play the real straight man on the show um, because he's much better than that. He's, he's got significant range and I just felt really bad that he was like stuck in this stuck, this stick in the mud role that he's in. Um, And I was, when he hands over the NZT to Rebecca late in the season that he had picked up, I just went, no, you take it. (laughs) You deserve it. Um, how was this revisiting it for you? Had you, you, you had rewatched some of this. I'm taking I had rewatched the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, when it was on, uh, Netflix and Netflix. I had rewatched some of the other stuff, some of it as well. It's one that I considered, um, I was trying to get, uh, the parents to watch, like we were looking for a show. I was like, oh, I feel like they might enjoy this. And my rewatch experience was, was interesting because it was both just as good as I remembered and also not as good as I remembered because- yeah. I hit that too sometimes. It's very much, it's still a a freshman show. It's finding its beats. It's figuring itself out. It does come out the gate a lot stronger than most procedurals and most Cop Not a Cops. And the performances are terrific through the cast. I mean, like, they're like, who are we going to get to be the parents? Ron Rifkin and Blair Brown. They're going to crush it every time, you know? Like, we do need to talk about Ron Rifkin's hair. Because I have so many questions about his hair in this show. But I mean, like, this cast is, you need Jake McDormand in that central role. The show does not work if you miscast Brian. And they, mm-hmm. they nailed that, and he's really good. 
Uh, it works. It doesn't work as well as it does if Carpenter isn't so good as the partner. Yep. Um, but I mean, then they just were like, okay, who's the, who are the best people that we can get to do this show? <laughs> and let's just surround everybody, you know, like bit characters and, and recurring characters. And like, do we need Colin Salmon? No, but we can get him. Great. Uh, yeah. You know, and a, the big part of that is Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, who is fantastic as Nas, right? Like there is, the the energy the dynamic the rapport the it all works really really well and that um the vibe of the show along with the comedic sensibilities and the visual flourishes the fact that it's a show that wants to have fun and play with form and play with references and all of this um because they have such a strong cast they can do that without sacrificing the gravitas, without sacrificing the emotional core, because they can just, tr this cast can do that stuff in their sleep. So that lets them, it lets the directors and the writers play around with other elements and not, you know, be afraid that they will lose that thread. Um, that being said, there are some questionable choices. Um, and some of the episodes that I remembered really being blown away by, uh, I rewatched and was like, yeah, no, it's solid. Mm -hmm. But but when you don't know to expect this, and certainly not from a freshman show and certainly not from a freshman cop, not a cop, it can really impress you when you're rewatching it with like, oh, this, uh, you know, the the the, the episode where Brian's um, having a bit of a break and everything gets changed into um, snuggled to death, right? Because of the trauma yeah. he's experienced. That episode, I remembered it being really brilliant and I rewatched it and went, oh, it's good. Yeah, no, I had the same response to Stop Me Before I Hug Again. Yeah. Um, I was just went, oh, this didn't work. This doesn't work as well as I remember it working. I remember it being great. And it's just like, no, it's good. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, and, and it, it was interesting which episodes were better with the context of what was going to come and uh, some of the other performance elements. And, and, you know, when you, in which episodes uh revisiting were still fun. I still enjoyed them. I don't I, there were very few episodes that I didn't really care for. But when without the element of surprise or discovery, we're more run of the mill. Um and in a yeah. 22 episode season, this is something we were texting about. This is a show, this is a 22 episode show with 13 episode energy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, no, that's super true. Well I am glad to have all 22 episodes. Um, you can feel it's straining a little bit um, at certain points of the season. And, you know, like you mentioned, if this is a, if this had come along like the same show a couple years later, I feel like it could have gotten a Netflix save and then we could have had the Netflix version of this. And like in a Lucifer style, I would love to see the Netflix version of Limitless. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Like, I mean, it's also really weird when you look at like its ratings from like the finale, you drew like a little like almost six mil. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just go, six million is huge now. <laughs> yeah. Blacklist is lucky to grab six million and it's going into season nine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, without Megan Boone, who's leaving the show. Um, and I'm just assuming that the show is going to become James Spader monologuing for an hour, in which case I'm watching the Blacklist again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I agree that it has that kind of 13-episode 13, 13 energy because for me, 
things start to go a little slack after Sans Agent of Mora, which I think is a really good episode. Mm-hmm. It doesn't totally make sense sometimes, but it's a really, really good episode. Um, but it just slowly starts to kind of trickle down from that point in terms of quality for me. I think because there's this weird mad dash of... We still want to do procedural stuff, but we got all this really cool Mora and Sand stuff that we really kind of want to dig into a bit more. And we got this really cool idea for Sands to, like, form the Legion of Doom. So we really still want to do that. So we're just going to kind of do wishy-washy, like, standalone type stuff. Um, that doesn't always work for me. Um, like, as much as I kind of like the, um, like... Brian and Rebecca get trapped after being exposed to some alien bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, that episode doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> um, and that just kind of continues for the rest of that little run of so things just don't kind of go anywhere. Um, and there's a lot of, we need to, we need to pull away his NCT supply and all this kind of stuff that just, I just kind of went, Oh, this isn't good. It's fine. It's still good because, like you said, everyone's really charismatic and can do a lot of this, even if the material's not quite there. But I'm, in, I was increasingly like, but, but maybe we just stopped and rebooted or stopped. Mm-hmm. That was the end of the season, was the assassination of Eddie Mora. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we came back for season two and we just did something else. <laughs> uh, but that was not what happened. Um, so, episode-wise, were, were there episodes that maybe kind of rose in your estimation then? Um, I think I could just have fun with some of them a bit more. I also, like, I, I it's just the, it's just so strange to me, like, how does CBS not know what they had with this show? Because <laughs> they also have Bradley Cooper, giant movie star, on board um, to recur. He was one of the producers on the show, too. And, like, it just seems so strange to me that, he, you know, it's that thing from the end of sports night. If you can't make money on limitless, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like the ones that stick out in my memory most tend to be the gimmicky ones tend yeah. to be, you know, the Bren touchables. <laughs> oh, God. The, that episode's still really good. Yeah. Um, which episode uh, is that? That is headquarters. headquarters. Exclamation oh. point. Right? Ching, ching. Um, it tends to be um, the uh, the um, the 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 there's some the the moments that stick in my memory are the um, the tense like we're gonna go uh, uh, replace the coat right or the 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 Ferris Bueller episode that gets you know ramps up the stakes real quick. Yeah. Um, those tend to be the ones that I you know gravitate more towards um but even like their undercover operation you know when they gotta go do (laughs) go do the james bond thing right like that blend of 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 pop culture reference which works so well because of brian yes and and like the sense of humor with the continue like the the way that they tend to thread the emotional development between rebecca and um and brian throughout the season really works for me at a certain point you can't keep doing that right and that's where the the end of the season starts to falter somewhat but because they you know one of the first things that got my attention with this show 
was when they very quickly established why Rebecca is on board and giving her like the, the connection with her father and the glimmer in the eye. And it's when you, when it becomes clear, Oh no, we aren't just doing a will they won't they like maybe we will season two, season three. Right. But this is more than that. She didn't just yeah. not shoot him because he's pretty <laughs> or because there's a show and we need an episode two, you know, um, that really, uh, the, the depth that they give Rebecca or, or that Carpenter gives Rebecca. Yes. Makes a huge difference for me in the show. And the best, the best episodes are the ones that have all of the whimsy and the fun, but also are pair that with the, like an attention to the Brian Rebecca partnership. Um, or like, you know, there, there's like the episode about Naz and her daughter, right? Like, mm-hmm. or, or the Brian and Naz relationship and really building that up so that when they want to, they can pull on those threads later in the season. And it's really, really effective. How about you? Which episodes uh, most stood out to you on the rewatch? Yeah. I, I mean, like, hi, my name is Rebecca Harris actually worked really, really well for me. And I don't remember how I felt about it. Um, the, the coma Mm-hmm. The helmet does not work for me, but um, the rest of that episode I think is really, really solid. Um, Sands Edge and more, like I previously mentioned, um, and I also s- still really enjoyed um, Headquarters. Is just it's a crackerjack of an episode. Um, Armageddon I think is actually probably their strongest, um, like random standalone goofy episode, mm-hmm. which I really, really appreciated because. Watching like something like Armageddon or the one with the stolen brain vaults, um, which I can't quite remember when that one happens. Um, both of those, in part because of the nature of the crimes, are all very elementary to me. And when the show echoes elementary, I'm really, really happy. Because I think that this is a show that kind of looked at elementary and went, oh, that's the dynamic we need of the Joan and Sherlock thing, which is very much of the kind of vibe that we get to a certain degree, albeit different because of the nature of their really, the power dynamics here. Of oh, Brian. and you should mention the showrunner, Craig Sweeney, also worked in elementary. So worked in elementary. Connection there too. Yeah. And I think that played into how they kind of established those dynamics um, because it's a good dynamic to replicate because it worked really well and was a huge breath of fresh air when it happened because it wasn't, no, these two are never going to hook up. They're going to co-parent by the end, but they're never going to hook up. (laughs) Um, And it's going to be great. It's going to be lovely and amazing. Um, And I think that Limitless was definitely on pace for that. Um, Especially even by the, again, I really don't like the finale. Um, Mm for just the fact that it doesn't really make sense. Sans and his team's motive doesn't make sense. Um, and also you never get the sense that any of them, any of the bad guys are actually on NZT. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are we doing here, folks? We're just doing the end so that we can get to Brian getting a shot. So that he doesn't have to get a booster every few months. So that so he- we can have a happy ending and we can you know, recenter the show on some other things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, while still also having more of being like an overarching villain, which I remember being very excited about mm-hmm. um, when the season wrapped up of like Bradley Cooper popping up. And that was kind of the thing for me that kind of surprised me the most is that 
I don't really like Bradley Cooper in general. I don't think he's particularly good, but I really like him on this show. <laughs> um, and I think he does a really nice job of conveying the ways in which more uh, six years on NZT is basically just like, I don't really care about humanity anymore. Like is something that is a recurring bit. That's an undercurrent here in season one of more just being like, yeah, I don't really care anymore. He's got that Dr. Manhattan kind of thing going on. Um, and I really like that as a counterpoint to Brian's overwhelming empathy for things. Um, and everyone around him, even if he also just refuses to learn Daryl and Jason's names, learn their names. Daryl and Jason. Them. I like that Daryl gets the last word of the season. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, cause I am, I have not seen the movie. Yeah. Neither have I'm I. not interested in, in seeing the movie. I'm not yeah. interested in the Eddie Mora version of this show. Yeah. I am interested in the Brian Finch version of the show, which is, you know, so key to adapting a movie for a, for a TV or adapting, a, you know, any sort of like limited form storytelling for a continuing form of storytelling, that tone that you strike with your protagonist. Like I shouldn't like this show. This show is a <laughs> entitled, uh, privileged, um, troubled, uh, youngish, 20, late twenties. He's 28. Um, yeah. 28 at the start on. of the show. Yeah. And a, a well, someone who has aged out of being an entitled and privileged, lost air quotes, young person, young 20s person who's now 28. That's not so cute anymore. Um, spending getting this op- very rare opportunity and spending all of his time telling other more accomplished, harder working people who've had to go through a lot more why they're wrong and how he's smarter than them. Right. Like all these things that, and correcting them like that should really not work for me. <laughs> it's like this show could so easily just be man- mansplaining the show, you know, <laughs> and, and Weiss's head man mansplaining specifically to a cast full of uh, women and people of color. Uh, and the fact that it still bugs sometimes but in general, I'm on board with it because of the empathy of that central performance and because there is enough pushback on some of that stuff and there is enough um, sense of like the just the core of the character being one you can stay on board with. Um, it, it is that was another thing that I was uh, very impressed with when I revisited the whole thing be like this should drive me nuts. And I still am bothered by him, like taking this person's cello from them um, to make everything about him all the time. But the show knows he's doing that. And that really helps. And yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it also makes a difference in that he's only like that for 12 hours Mm -hmm. and we see him not be that. Yeah. And that he, that one of the kind of central tensions of the show, even though I think that the show doesn't do a good enough job sometimes of fleshing that out is the degree to which Brian, who's Brian Mm -hmm. and which is the real Brian, Um, which is like the key thing between him and his father of this isn't who you are anymore. Um, And the degree to which Brian sees himself doesn't want to be that guy that wash out anymore. Um, But sees this as an opportunity to help people, but 
is he still Brian? And the ways in which that you attempt to navigate that. And it's very much a superhero kind of conundrum. Um, just the show doesn't have like an alter, uh, alter ego kind of thing for him. He's just really smart for 12 hours. And mm. then he just wants to go home and hang out with Sinbad. Mm. Um, and that's who he is. But he's just, a, again, goes back to being kind of the washout guy. Um, and I think that that kind of helps m- mitigate some of that of he's the smartest guy in the room, but he's also just that guy. It's very Captain America, right? Right. It's, yeah. It's very, it's that same energy of, it's the same narrative of the reason that he can be our protagonist is because of who he is and the choices he makes when he's not on this pill. And the fact that he, he wants it, but he, he doesn't, you know? Yeah. He wants it for the right reasons. Um, and and then to see all these characters, you know, the number of the characters, ex- you know, experience NZT and what, what this can mean and what this can do and seeing how it, you know, and, you, and also, of course, seeing that the direct parallel of Mora, right? Uh, and how easily and just like how, how rare, I guess, he is like you kind of need a stoner <laughs> to, to to be in this role. Somebody who is perfectly happy to go home and not like scheme of what his next like grand design is going to be, but just like want to have some chips, you know, have some yep. like and, and play some video games um, with his sister. You know, like that is who you need in that role. Yeah, um, it's it's you know with with a good heart as well and clearly you know his parents did a good job um instilling some of those um priorities in him but yeah it, it's it, it it is the kind of narrative and the kind of central performance um that or, or the kind of central character i should say central character yeah. to not performance but the character that i normally would roll my eyes at and get tired of but i don't because of the performance and and because of this other um, the attention to detail around the edges of the character and also how it, it, the show engages with with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was thinking about that as well as when you were talking of like, even Brian doesn't sometimes like NZT Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like you especially get that with the messages that NZT Brian starts leaving non-NZT Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ways that this is just slowly kind of baking him. Um in a different way from Sinbad. And I think to your point about like the Eddie Mora as a foil, it also like, I know enough about the movie that Eddie Mora gets NZT, finishes his book that he's been struggling to write, and then just goes full Wolf of Wall Street and starts like killing it on the stock market. And Brian just goes, I'm going to solve crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Instead of like, I'm going to like day trade on the side because I could definitely get away with that. Um, yeah. but instead does this act of service instead um, of getting, making himself millions of dollars within a couple of days. Yeah. Well, it also like did it for the lulls, right? That's, right. Exactly. That's yeah. the energy. Um, and, and like, what, how does he spend his time on NZT? He's not making sure that he has every, um, like he's not every minute uh, productive so that he can 
get the most out of, you know, all these different things. He's also making dioramas. Yes. <laughs> he's crafting. <laughs> and because it'll be really cool if he can have his 10 most wanted, like, clay puppets. God, those are so good. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts about uh, about Limitless and uh, and the, you know... The show that should have been. <laughs> I mean, I really do wish we had gotten another season of the show. Um, we would have gotten a lot more for Hill Harper as as Boyle in season two. Yeah, no. I think so, too. I think it, the second season hopefully would have given him a lot more to do. Um, and I think they were just really invested in establishing this world and establishing Brian and Rebecca to the detriment of Boyle. So, yeah, but I also think a second season would have just been really fun to watch them slowly continue to turn those screws um, and watch the how much empathy, how what are the wells of empathy that Brian can reasonably do and how much empathy can the FBI afford him at the same time? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, this is just really good. And I'm glad that, um, I forget which of us suggested revisiting this, but I'm glad that we did. Yeah, go team. And we should also shout out Desmond Harrington as Casey. Mm-hmm. He is really good in those, like, two to three episodes he gets. Yeah. It was really good. I was very sad about... I was very kind of sad slash angry that that's how that ended, because Casey would have been a good, like, recurring villain for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very sad at how that worked out for them. Well, he's just a... I mean, I didn't love his arc on Elementary. Um mm-hmm. But that wasn't his fault. <laughs> yeah. That, that was very much not his fault. And he will all, just always will have one of my favorite one episode characters on from Justified. Um, and so I always am interested when he pops up. And yeah, as as the exemplar of why it has to be Brian. Yeah. I think they hand it's a, it's a storyline you're expecting. And the show handled it well. And he he, he put a lot more layers into that performance than I think other people would have. Yeah, I agree. Oh, man, now that you've said Justified, I want Timothy Elephant on Limitless Season 8. <laughs> Can you imagine Timothy Elephant on NZT? No. No? But I can imagine him uh, him and Brian having some fun with Sinbad uh, and crafting. That is also accurate. Oh, man. Anyway. Anyways. Oof. I like well, that idea. Round out the segment there. Listeners, uh, while we may be on hiatus, we would still like to hear from you. So if you are a fellow, you know, Limitless Hive, uh, reach out to us on social media, drop us a line and let us know what your favorite episodes and characters are. Because, yeah, as goodness knows, I I would hope more people will still find a way to discover the show if they haven't seen it previously. And we are certainly big fans. Um if you show notes here at the end of the episode, you can find a post of this episode at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find the M4A chaptered feed and the MP3 unchaptered feed over on Apple Podcasts. We're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews uh, either place. And we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. We're keeping it together, everybody. We're keeping it together. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. Bye.